Hi, this is Jessica McCoy with Calvary Christian Center. Thank you so much for listening. We pray that this message encourages and inspires you to be everything God has created you to be. We hope you enjoyed this message. Lift up your hands and somebody give God a shout of praise in the room. Well, whew. sometimes that's all you got when you go through something. It's just a hallelujah. But I've determined in my life, no matter what I go through, I will not lose my worship and lose my praise. Somebody shout amen. Well, I want you to jump up on your feet if you're able, and I just want you to grab your Bibles. How many ready for the Word of God today? I, I told Nana, and I still feel this way. I, I feel one of them old school Holy Ghost preachers coming on me. I, I feel one of them shouting your ear what he's been whispering in mine preachers coming on me. I feel one of them spitting and shouting and running preachers coming on me. And, you know, we live in Florida. We, we have SeaWorld and stuff. You know, if you're in the first three or four rows, you're in the splash zone in Jesus' name. And, and, if, I, and if I spit on you, just rub it in. I prayed before I came. Amen. <laughs> oh, man, you look so good today. I feel expectancy in the room. I feel faith in the room. I feel like there's some people ready to hear what God is trying to say. Grab your Bibles, book of Exodus, chapter 32, and thank God for this church. I thank God for our pastors. Pastors Jim and Don Raley, they just don't make them like that anymore. There's none greater. And I know they may not be here, but can we just let them know wherever they are right now, how much we love and appreciate them. We love and honor them. I think I serve on the greatest staff on the planet. Uh, our staff loves people. They love you. and They want to see God's kingdom come and uh, grateful. And, uh, like I said, my wife and I celebrated 11 years on Friday, 11 years. And I just, I'm, like I said, I'm in honeymoon mode. I might preach quick. Hashtag date night. Come on, somebody. But I feel God. I feel like preaching today. I feel like God has something he wants to say. Exodus chapter 32, verses 15 through 19. And then we're going to wander over to Exodus 34, verses 1 through 4, to cut to the continuity of this text. Are you ready for the word of God today? This is what the word of God would say. And Moses turned and went down from the mountain and the two tablets of the testimony were in his hand the tablets were written on both sides on one side and the other they were written now the tablets were the work of God and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets and when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted he said to Moses there is a noise of war in the camp but he said, Moses said, it is not the noise of the shout of victory, nor the noise of the cry of defeat, but I hear the sound of singing. And so it was that as soon as he came near the camp that he saw the calf and saw the dancing and Moses' anger became hot. Watch this. And he cast the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Skip on over to chapter 34, just four verses and we're going to preach. And the Lord said to Moses, cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. And I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. 
So be ready in the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. And no man shall come up with you and let no man be seen throughout all the mountain. Let neither flocks nor herds feed before that mountain. Last verse. And so he cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. Then Moses rose early in the morning and went up Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And watch this. And he took in his hand the two tablets of stone. God sent me on this halfway point of the year to talk to some people who somewhere along the way, you lost some stuff. Somewhere along the way, life didn't go like you thought it was going to go and turn out like you thought it was going to turn out. But God has sent this preacher here this morning to tell you that he is ready to give you back everything that you lost along the way but he wants something in return he wants a commitment here's the commitment that if he gives it back that you have already resolved in your mind that this time this time I'm not losing it I'm not going to lose it I'm I'm not going to lose it Lord Slip up your hands, Father. I thank you for what I feel in this room. Preach through me. Help somebody restore in Jesus' name. If you believe it, shout amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Just look at somebody say, this time I'm not losing it. This time I'm not losing it. If, if there's anything you need to know about the preacher that stands in front of you is that I love the Word of God. Is there anybody in this room that loves the Word of God? I love the Word of God. I love the Word of God for many reasons, but, but at this stage in my life, I'm realizing that the more I lay my head on Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the less I'll ever have to lay my head on some psychiatrist chair somewhere because I'm learning that this book is so powerful that the book will breathe back in what life takes out. I I love the Word of God for many reasons. I love it for the fact that when I lay my head on its contents, uh, that no matter what life does and what people do and what people say and what happens at my job or in my family, no matter what I do, if I put my head in this book, the book will breathe back in what life took. I love the Word of God. I love the Word of God for all of its intent. I love the Word of God for all of its information. But this preacher coming into this place of my life, I'm beginning to love the Word of God for its revelation. The Word of God is full of revelation that, that the more you read it, you'll understand how layered and how deep it is because you can read the same passage five times and no matter where you are in life, one passage can minister five different ways because the book is so powerful and so incredible. I love the Word of God for the revelation that it brings, a revelation that is not just confined to the contents of, it, of its books, but rather even to the very titles of the books of the Bible, enough significant revelation to bring real change. Ladies and gentlemen, we today are in the book of Exodus. And long before we crack open the book to discover the contents, there is significant revelation just in the title of the book of Exodus because it is the book of Exodus that proves that God has an exit strategy for his people. Oh, yes, he does. In other words, the book of Exodus is the book that teaches us that God knows how to get us out. 
Oh, y'all too quiet. See, see, that don't mean nothing to some people that have never been in trouble and never done some things and never did some stuff that was embarrassing and never got yourself in a mess. But to all the real people in the room who know there were some things you did and some places you went and to some decisions you made that got you locked up, you can testify to the fact that you are grateful that the God you serve is an exodus God. That just when the enemy, I feel like preaching, just when the enemy was coming in for the kill and just when it looked like he had you. God came into your life, swung open a door, and made a way where there was no way because he is my exodus God. Somebody in the room that can testify that he knows how to get you out. So to give God some praise right Oh, if he hadn't got you out, you'd still be in it. If he hadn't swung the door open, you'd still be addicted. You'd still be messed up. You'd still be in trouble. But because he is an exodus God, when the door came open, nothing could hold me back. And everything had to let let me go. Somebody give him praise if you're thankful that he got you out. I feel someone that right there, I dare you just to go to hollering for about 15 seconds to let every demon know that they missed their chance, to let every devil know you wasted your opportunity because who the sun sun sets free is free indeed. Somebody shout now. Sometimes I just like the devil to remember how I got out of his grasp and got into God's hand. Sometimes, see, 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 when you really come into this kind of revelation, you won't need a worship band, and you won't need singers, and you won't need a preacher, and you won't need this or that, because you'll just come in this room going, I shouldn't even be here. I shouldn't have made it this far. But since I'm here, I'm going to give him everything I have. Oh, I feel like preaching today. I feel a fight coming on me. I, I feel like there are some people in this room uh, that you've been struggling for too long uh, that you don't even know how free you are. Because let me tell you something about freedom. Freedom is known when freedom is expressed. And some of us are claiming freedom and expressing bondage. <sighs> That's why we get rowdy in this church. That's why we don't mind dancing and running and shouting because we're not here to impress you. We're not here to impress you because you didn't know how heavy those chains were and you didn't know how long I struggled in this bondage. And now that there are no chains on me, that's why I praise God like I praise him and dance like I dance. I don't need your permission. I don't care about your opinion. I am free. Why don't you take 10 seconds and express yourself? I dare somebody who's been in some bondage and now you're for express yourself. Express 10, 9, 8, 7, express yourself. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, somebody shout now. of Exodus is the get me out book. It is the book of exit that God is excellent in his exit strategy for your life. But, but ladies and gentlemen, as good as that is, there is a deeper principle that, that God gets you out because the principle declares that whenever God gets you out, it's only to bring you in. 
Oh, some of you got it. Some of you got it. Because the truth is, hidden in your exodus is a prophecy about your future. No, 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 no. Don't sit there that quiet. I said hidden in your exodus is a prophecy that God is not finished and God is not done. That if I got you out of that, it's because I already had something prepared. No, 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 no. It, I'm not preparing it. It's prepared now. It's not coming. It's there. That if I got you out, it's because there's already a promised land on the other side of this thing with your name on it and your purpose in it and your destiny in it. I brought you out to bring you in. I brought you out to bring you in. I brought you out because I want to bring you in. And that's why Jesus never calls himself a hallway. It's why he calls himself a door. Oh, hallelujah. Because Jesus sees himself as a threshold from what was to what's prepared. Isn't it amazing how, how Jesus said, I am the door? In other words, Jesus said, you can be a whole lot of stuff outside of me that you were never meant to be. But if you ever decide to come through me. Oh, if you ever decide to come through me, old things are passed away and behold, all things become new. So you can be depressed outside of me, but you got to have peace that passes all understanding why you're in me. You can be anxious outside the door, but if you come through the door, there ought to be joy unspeakable and full of glory. Somebody ought to give him praise. Oh, don't confuse me for being radical. Don't just say he's radical. He's crazy. No, 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 baby. I just realized what I was before I got to Jesus and what I became after I walked through the blood because now that I've got the blood, no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper and I have no plan of ever going back to who I used to be. I brought you out to bring you in because here's my goal. I want you to know that if I'm going to deliver you, I always bring you through delivery because I want to bring you into discovery. Delivery for the sake of discovery. I brought you out because there was still something left for you to see. Oh. Oh, come on, somebody talk to me. Anytime God brings you out, once again, there is a prophecy that you are not finished, that you are not done, that there are still places in your life and places in yourself that you have yet to discover. And God is looking for people who know, who are in love with the idea of discovery. In love, the problem in the body of Christ is that we spend more time discerning people than we do discovering ourselves. And God did not break your chain so that you could figure me out. God didn't break the chain so that you could spend all your time. Let me tell you something. Discovering me is a full-time job. 
Oh, priest Pastor Josh, I said, discovering me is a full-time job. I don't have time to figure you out. I, I still got too much on the inside of me. What God did for me, he did it for me because I was not what my mama said, and I'm not what I've been through, and I'm not what my daddy did. I'm not my problems. I'm not my issues. I'm not my tragedy. I am not all that stuff from Egypt. I'm not that. And God breaks the chains, not so I can discern you, so that I can discover me, because on the inside of me, me is some gifts and some anointings and some blessings and some stuff that I got to discover. Do, do you know that, that we can't really do damage to darkness until we enter into discovery? Because as long as we're in discernment mode and not discovery mode, we will compete with one another when we are called to complete one another. As long as I spend time trying to figure you out, I will end up competing with a person I was called to complete. Uh, but if I ever get to the place where I know me, oh hallelujah, and you know you, and when you touch and agree with me, when you know who you are, and I know who I am, one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. When you figure out who you really are and you agree with somebody who knows who they really are, we will do damage to the forces of darkness and run every devil and demon up out of this county and this region, not by might or by power, but by the spirit of the living God. If you believe it, somebody ought to give him praise right now. Just look at somebody say, me and you, 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 me and you. I might not have known you before I came into this service. I might not know your name, but all I know is me and you. Me and you going to do some things in the kingdom. Me and you going to touch and agree so that bodies can be here. Me and you going to touch and agree so that my family can say, we going to do some stuff. Me and you. me And I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're white. I don't care where you came from. I don't care who your daddy is and who your mama's not. I just know me and you. Me and you going to do some work. Oh, I feel like preaching. Oh, he said, if you ever got into discovery, you'll learn that agreement is powerful and more powerful than you know. He said, now the goal is if I can bring you into discovery, then you can find destiny. Because I start you with delivery. I bring you into discovery so that you can finally see destiny. In fact, my friends, most people hear about destiny and don't ever get there. You know why? You know why it's so elusive? Because you spend more time looking for the destination than you do discovering who you need to be. Can I tell you, you won't have to worry about destiny as long as you can stay living a life of discovery. Because here's what I know about God. He's not boring. I said, God's not boring. Church ain't boring. The kingdom is not boring. If you really serve my kind of God, if you really serve the God I know, at every turn, there's something you never knew about yourself that you never knew about him. How do you think they're still singing the same song of all eternity? What song? Holy, holy, holy. That's because every time they get around to a different place, they see a different aspect of God that they've never seen before. And if you stay in his presence and you stay connected to the right people, at every turn, God will surprise you and you will feel figure out that you are greater than what you know. Uh, my, my, my. 
He said, I want you to get into a place, he said, of discovery for the sake of destiny. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the summation of the book of Exodus, of God taking a people out, bringing a people in, and using, watch this, the vehicle of development to do it. Because standing in between delivery and destiny is a word called transition. Because here's what I know. The problem in the book of Exodus was not setting them free. The problem in the book of Exodus was not having a promised land prepared. The problem in the book of Exodus was that for everything he did in bringing them out, he had to spend more time getting Egypt out of them. Because that is the difference between freedom and deliverance. Freedom is getting you out of it. Deliverance is getting it out of you. Because what good is it for God to bring you into new opportunities and new places and new things if you are still tied and you still got stuff on the inside of you that's connected to Egypt and God loves you enough to get every bit of Egypt out of you so that when you finally step into your promised land, you have enough to do what you're finally called to do in this thing called destiny. God said, I'm going to bring them out. I'm going to bring them out. I'm going to transition them. I'm going to develop them. I'm going to develop them because here's the problem. Here's the problem. I want you to keep what I give. I, I don't want you to live a life where you get some stuff and lose some stuff, where you go forward and you go back because the real issue of the children of Israel is not that they weren't blessed to do it and gifted to do it. They weren't consistent enough to keep it. Isn't that the issue of life? That, that, that we forfeit stuff, not because we couldn't handle it, but because we weren't consistent enough to keep it? Uh, I'm going to be real vulnerable. Y y your boy knows how to lose weight. I know how to lose it. I, I played Division I baseball. I had a small stint in the minor leagues. I know how to lose it. I know how to train this body. The problem is, is for all the weight I lose, it finds me. It, 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 come on, somebody can testify. It, 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 that thing will find you. That thing must have GPS. I must be, it'll find me. And let me tell you why I can't keep it off because I'm not consistent enough. Oh. You can't keep what you're not consistent in. You can't, you can't keep what you're not consistent. That's why you got to be in a small group and stay in a small group. That's why you got to serve and stay serving because I know it takes commitment, but the commitment is keeping consistency consistent for the sake of development in your life. I want to be consistent. In fact, the truth is, if you want to know where you're really anointed, look at what the devil attacks in consistency in you. Oh, that's a word for somebody. If you want to know where you're really anointed, look at what the devil keeps attacking in your life to make you inconsistent because he understands. Oh, I feel like preaching now because if you ever get consistent in that thing, if you ever get real consistent, you will flip his kingdom upside down. You will make a difference. Souls are going to be saved. Bodies are going to be healed. Minds are going to be renewed because you were consistent. Look at somebody say, you got to be consistent. I got I to be consistent. I got to be consistent. I got to be consistent. Ladies and gentlemen, the book of Exodus teaches us these things, but nobody epitomizes it more than the leader Moses. The leader Moses, who at himself has been anointed. God is doing big things in his life. He has been called to lead. Yet the reason why God does not bring him in and use him immediately 
is because for all of his giftedness, he doesn't have the consistency and the character to keep it. Is it possible that God's not using you like he wants to because you're not consistent enough? Why would I put influence in your hands if I know six months from now you're going to let it go? Why would I bless you with that kind of level of authority if I know you're going to trade it for something less than what you ought to have? Consistency. Consistency. Moses, I want to bring you into a consistent life. I'm trying to get you into a place of consistency so I can move into your destiny. Moses, and that means for Moses in our text, it was 80 years. Oh, look at your face. 80 years of development for 40 years of purpose. And some of us... Some of us can't stay six months committed. Moses had 80 years of development, and some of us can't stay six months, so we can't be committed, and we wonder why God doesn't use us, because we haven't been committed, and we're not consistent, because if God didn't, if we didn't get it when we think we ought to got it, when we should have got it, where we should have got it, from who we should have got it from, we leave and say, no, but Moses, 80 years, Moses, 80 years of development. Watch this, 80 years of practice. 80 years of practice because long before God brings you into performance, he will always bring you through practice. Oh, hallelujah. Help me do it, Holy Ghost, because that's where you are right now. That's where you want to know where you are in destiny, where you are, but you're in practice because practice always precedes performance. You can't have a recital without a rehearsal. God has to get you through practice. Practice. I know it's just practice, but practice makes perfect, baby. I know it's practice, but practice matters. It's practice, but it's practice. It's practice, but it's purpose. It's, it's practice, but it's purpose. It's practice. God wants you to practice right. It's, in fact, where you are today is a result of what you practiced on yesterday mm -mm. and where you're going tomorrow is a result of how serious you take practice David there is a giant waiting for you but I want you to practice on lions and bears because if you can handle the lion, oh, y'all ain't saying nothing, and you can do it with the bear, I know the principle will work for the giant, and the giant will fall because the practice was serious. Let me show you New Testament, New Testament. You're going to be fishers of men. That's destiny. But let me go deeper. Before I let you become fishers of men, I will let you be fishers of fish. Because it's practice. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing. It's practice, practice. It's practice, but it's practice. It's practice, but it's practice. That's why you can't despise, despise the day of small beginnings. Because I know it looks small now, but you are practicing. Because inside the practice is a prophecy. If you stare at your practice long enough, you'll see your future. Am I helping anybody in this room? Let, let me, let me, let me, let me make this practical for a minute. Uh, when I was graduating high school uh, or college, God uh, spoke to me about my ministry. He began to talk to me about how I was going to change the world. And how many know when God speaks, he speaks big. 
he talks big. When God speaks to you, it's always bigger than you. And God started to show me how it's going to go around the world and how it's going to change the world. So much so that my final semester of college, uh, he asked me to give every Friday night. Who are y'all too saved for me? Final semester of college, Friday night. Turn up for what? He asked me, he said, Josh, he said, every Friday night from midnight to 8 a.m., I want to see you in your dorm room, and we're going to lock the door, and I want you to pray all night and be with me all night. I'm going to prepare you for some stuff. And man, I went that whole semester every Friday night laying on my dorm room floor, crying out to God. Got up, God said, you're going to end the whole year on a 21-day fast, no food, just water. 21 days I fasted. I was hungry, y'all. I mean, I ain't never eaten Chick-fil-A so fast a day in my life. I ate. I came out of college. I thought, here I've done what God has asked me to do. I'm ready. I'm ready, God. You're going to take me to the world. Where's my microphone and where's my platform? Let's change the world. And God said, are you ready? Here it comes. You're going to work at finish line. Oh, you know, you heard it right. The shoe store. Finish line. And I said, um, that don't sound like what you told me in the dorm room. But God said, practice. <laughs> practice. And I said, oh, okay, I know what you're going to do. You're going to put me in management. God said, no, you ain't in management. God I said, oh, you're going to put me on the sales floor. I get it. You're going to get me interacting with people. God said, no. Let me tell you where you're going to go. Uh, they are hiring a stock boy. And I want you to go back in stock shoes. Now, let me tell you something. If I was not keen about how God works with performance, that practice precedes performance, I would have looked at a stockroom job like a less than, like I missed it. But because I understand practice, I took my practice serious because I realized God was doing some stuff. What was he doing? I realized that as a stock boy, I had to unpack some stuff. I was learning how to unpack stuff. I was, I was learning how to say this goes here and that goes there and this happens here. I was learning how to organize and get myself right. And God, one, every once in a while, God would say, preach to the shoes. And so I'd run over to the Adidas section. And I preached to the Adidas, and the Adidas, they were tough, but we got to an altar call, and I prayed, and the Adidas got saved, and, and I'd run over to the Nike every once in a while, and the Nike were super Pentecostal. They were getting delivered. They were getting healed. I preached to the Nikes. God was moving. It was pure revival up in there, y'all. It was powerful. You didn't never see anything like it. And then, and then one day, God had me preach to the Jordans. There was a lot of them, and they were a little bougie, but that's fine. I, I, I remember standing in front of them Jordans, and the Lord said, preach what I've been telling you to preach. Preach what I've been telling you. So I stood in front of nobody around me in that stock room, and I was preaching my guts out. And I remember I preached, and nothing happened because it's shoes and not people. And I was getting ready to walk away, and I heard the Lord said, thank you. He said, thank you. Thank you for taking your practice serious. Thank you for not diminishing what I put in front of you. And now that I know you can do it in front of thousands of shoes, one day I'm going to let you do it in front of thousands of people. And I've stood on stages of tens of thousands. I've stood in front of a lot of people now. Why? Because practice matters, baby. And I came to tell you, you might be in a season of practice, but you better hold on because he who has begun a good work in your life is faithful to bring that thing to completion. It's practice, baby, but it's a prophecy of your purpose. Somebody giving praise right now for the practice.
I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I ain't going to scoff at it. I ain't going to let it go. If practice, because practice makes performance perfect. God said, Moses, I had you out here for 80 years. He said, I had you learning the systems of Egypt. I had you herding sheep. He said, but one day your practice is going to end. And I'm going to take you back into the palace and you're going to know how to work. And I'm going to, instead of herding sheep, now you're going to herd people. And now you're going to know what to do. And God brought him out. And here's what I love about Moses is when it was performance time, he knew exactly what to do. Watch this. And he knew where to take them. Because when we get into our text, and I'm done, when we get into our text, Moses has come out of practice into performance, and he takes them to Mount Sinai. The problem is we've been here before. In Exodus 3, he went to Mount Horeb, but Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai are the same place because this is what good leaders know. You can't take people where you've never been. You can't take people where you've never been. That's why God can't use some of us. We're too limited in our experiences. We're too limited for God to use us. And God wants to expand us so that we can take people. And if you'll learn how to expand yourself, God can use you at a greater level. He said, Moses, thank you for taking them to where you've been before. But this place wasn't any place. It was the place of his most radical encounter with God. A burning bush was lit. A burning bush, an encounter with God that changed him forever. And now instead of it being a burning bush, read the text, Sinai is not a burning bush, it's a burning mountain. Because this is what I know about a real encounter with God. You always come out with something more than what you went in with. That's why you've got to be passionate about an encounter with God, passionate about approaching God, passionate about being in his presence, because there is no way you can come into his presence and give him praise and him not give you back what you need. That's why I don't stand there so quietly in worship, because I understand that it seems like I'm just lifting my hands and it seems like I'm just singing songs. But in the middle of my worship, there is an exchange, me giving God what he wants and God giving me what I need. That's why my hallelujah is loud. That's why my hands wave, because there's an exchange, because you can't come into where he is and not get what you need. Because the first time he was here, he came in empty-handed. And by the time he left, he got a staff. A staff by which he would perform every miracle that he needed in the first season of the Exodus. He got something. And I just came to stop by and tell somebody, you got something. Don't miss what I said. I said, you got something. I know the enemy is trying to lie to you and tell you that there's some things that you lost and there's some things you used to have. But I came to tell you by the Holy Ghost, you got some stuff. You got some anointing. There's some gifts. You got some stuff. The devil don't want you to hear this, but you got some stuff. There, there is still some stuff you have. And God hadn't changed his mind. You got some stuff. Just look at your neighbor and say, I got some stuff. He said, I'm going to give you some stuff because you can't come in to where I'm at and not get what you need. And Moses says, now I'm stepping in to the next season. So in order to get, hallelujah, what I couldn't get on my own, I got to get back to where he is. And he went up the mountain. And God says, Moses, 
you come back. And now that you're honoring me, I'm going to put something in your hands. And the Bible says that while he was coming, God was working, and he hewed two stones, two tablets. Not only did he hew them himself, but the Bible says he wrote on them himself, front and back, all filled, all filled, all filled, all filled, because your purpose is full. It's full so that you can fulfill it. He wrote on it, he wrote on it, and the Bible says that he put the tablets in Moses' hand. And I have to thank God for the stuff he gave me that I couldn't have got on my own. Where are the real people at? To know that there are some things you got that you couldn't have got them on your own. You, you weren't good enough. You weren't qualified enough. Your pedigree wasn't good enough. Your family wasn't good enough. But yet God still looked at you and he blessed you despite everything you had ever been through. He blessed you despite what happened to you as a little girl and a little boy. He gave you some stuff. And that's why I worship and that's why tears are in my eyes right now. Because as I look back over my life, I realize I have some stuff that I didn't deserve. I have some stuff that is only because of him. Moses. I am putting something in your hands. Two tablets of the law. Please know, this wasn't the first time he had given him the law. Exodus 19, he gave it to him verbally, orally. And he went down and told the people, and the people in Exodus 19 said, whatever you say, we will do. That's law. Watch this. That's word. Here in our text, he takes it to the next dimension because he literally takes what's abstract and puts it on concrete so it ceases to be word and it becomes word made flesh. Because this is more than a picture of your life. It's a picture of Jesus restoring humanity, that there would be word and word made flesh and Jesus would fulfill the law, not kill the law, and he would fulfill it so that God could get you back And there is an exchange I'm done. He put it in his hands. And right in the middle of impartation, God looks at Moses and says, Moses, you better get back down there. The children of Israel have gone crazy. They have built a golden calf and they are worshiping it instead of me. Because this is what I know about what God gives. It's not meant to be held just in high places. That whatever God puts in your hands, whatever anointing, he expects you every once in a while, come down off the mountain, Moses, and do something for the people. All your anointing is for is not for you. Your experience is not for you. You've got to do something with what God gave you. And you've got to come down and touch a life with it, Moses. Moses comes down. Finishing here. Comes down and sees the dancing and is watching the idolatry and something tragic happens in the text is that as he's watching them he gets so angry and so frustrated that what God put in his hands he dropped it one version says he cast it down and in one moment everything he had gotten from God was gone he dropped it. And when I saw it, I realized there is a type of warfare that the enemy uses against you that does not include possession. 
Because not every devil comes to get you possessed. Some devils come to get you obsessed. Because this wasn't an inward issue. The enemy flashed him an external problem. Oh, hallelujah. An external circumstance. He, he let him see something that he knew would disorient him and frustrate him and make him angry. And when he saw what he saw, the enemy won because in the middle of him seeing what he saw, he dropped what God gave. Watch this. Because when he lost it, he lost it. And some of you in this room today, you went into 2019 and you got some stuff and you were ready to come down off the mountain and do something great. Everything seemed like it was right and ready, yet the enemy knew just the right time. I feel the anointing just the right moment to throw something at you that you didn't expect and you didn't see coming and, and when it hits your life uh, when it hits your life all of a sudden you dropped it and not only did you drop it but it broke help me do it holy ghost help me do it help me do it it broke and i can hear the enemy looking at you scoffing at you and say see you couldn't handle what god gave you look you squandered another opportunity you squandered another thing look at you you can't hold on to nothing god gives you you see you're not good for this this ain't your destiny this ain't your purpose look how broken it is that can't be repaired i'm talking to somebody that can't be fixed that'll never be right again moses give up because you squandered what God gave you. You dropped it. And now it's broken. But what if I told you that the enemy didn't want you to understand that when it broke, it broke for you uh, and not against you because word became flesh so that word could be broken. Oh, hallelujah. And then everything about God should be angry with you and he should be frustrated with you and he should be mad at you, but he's not mad at you. He's not frustrated because when he looks at the brokenness, he sees what Jesus did because this is my body, which is broken for you. I see him and I want to run from you, but every time I see the broken tablets, I am not pulling from you. I am drawn to you. Because the world sees you're broken and they think you're weak now. But God sees you're broken and sees strength now. I am drawn. I'm upset with you, but I'm drawn to the broken. Uh -huh. Because most preachers preach the calf here and they preach Aaron here. But I decided not to take my eyes off Moses. And God doesn't rebuke the children of Israel, and he's not being upset with Aaron. The only person he is concerned about is a man who dropped what he gave. And God says, Moses, you dropped it. But please know, I feel the anointing of God. Please know that just because you dropped it doesn't mean I've dropped you. Because Moses, here's the game plan. You dropped it 
and it broke and it looks like it's beyond repair but I am the God of restoration and guess what Moses it looks like there's no room for this to come back but we are gonna do it again we gonna do it again and I came to tell somebody God is about to do it again God is gonna give you back everything you thought you lost it's all coming back because why because God has not changed his mind you're still the right woman and you're still the right man and it's still the right family I have not changed my mind I got to tell somebody this I got to tell you God hadn't changed his mind everything he told you and everything he gave you he's still committed to you're still the right person for the job so what do I got to do he said we're gonna do it again he said here's the deal the first time I did it all I cut the stone I wrote but this time we're gonna partner because the last time I gave it to you you didn't appreciate it you let what you saw make you drop what I gave and I need you to appreciate the things I put in your hands so this is what we gonna do me and you gonna do this together well what's your part I'm gonna write on it but here's the deal Moses you have to bring me two tablets this time but God, I'm not qualified. I'm a shepherd. I'm not a mason. God said, guess what? You have to do it no matter what it takes. You're going to have to find a way. Could it be that God has a grace prepared for you for this journey of restoration? There's a grace because you're going to have to learn how to do stuff you've never done before to get back what you thought you lost. You're going to have to cut through some stuff, Moses. You have to cut through it. You're going to have to make some rock. You got to cut through it. What do you got to cut through? I got to cut through excuses. You got to cut through what you did. You got to cut through failure. You got to cut through what they did to you and what they said about you cut through it cut through it whatever it takes uh, whatever it takes Moses because here's the deal Moses you're late you're late because I need you to cut this thing because you're gonna meet me in the morning and sometimes I feel God sometimes You've got to make up your mind that no matter how long it takes, no matter what it takes, I will get back the things that belong to me in my life. And Moses cuts through and he used two tablets and they're back in his hand goes up the mountain in the morning. Can you see him? God, I'm embarrassed. Because the last time you gave me something, I, I lost it. I dropped it. I didn't mean to drop it, but I dropped it. I didn't mean to lose it, but I lost it. It wasn't my intention. It happened. It happened. I'm sorry. And I hear God saying, Moses, extend your tablets. God said, Moses, you did your part. You did your part, so I'm going to do mine. And the finger of God met some messed up tablets, and God began to write again. But hear me, 
He didn't just write anything. He wrote what he had written before because God is still committed to you fulfilling the purpose of God and the plan of God on your life. And I came to tell somebody, I'm done with this message, that God is about to rewrite your life, rewrite everything he said. All the promises are still yes. And there's still amen. And your kids are going to do all right. And your family's going to be restored. And your body's going to be healed. And you're going to preach again. And you're going to do it again. Because I am the God who knows how to make wrongs right. I am the God who knows how to get it back together. I wish I had somebody that could give God some praise for what he's about to do again. He's going to do it again. You may have lost some things, but if you'll give him some tablets, he's going to do it again. Watch this. He's going to right some wrongs. He's going to put some things back together. Because here's what I know about a king. Whatever he decrees and declares, it is established forever. God said, I'm going to write it and no devil can mess this up. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing. I'm going to write it and no demon can hold it back. I'm going to write it and if I write it, it shall be forever and ever. Everybody jump on your feet. Moses extends the tablet. And God touched them one more time. The Lord told me today that some of you would come in. I don't think it's by any chance that it's the halfway point of the year God had me preach this. Because there's some things you've lost that God is so committed to what he promised you this year. Whew. There's some things he promised us. We go see. And if I got to give him my rickety tablets so he can rewrite his promises, I will, I will, I will. God is about to restore everything you dropped and everything you lost. But he's looking for some people that will extend some tablets. Throw your hands up in the room. I feel the anointing. I feel the anointing. Extend your hands. Come on, let him minister. Let him write. Keep your hands lifted. Go ahead, John. Minister to him. If you would like to be a part of what God is doing here at Calvary, you can give online at calvaryfl.com or you can use our app. We hope this message encouraged you to experience the Spirit, embrace the lost, and live the life. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you soon.